Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Hello and welcome to the Utah Puck Report podcast. I'm your host, Jay Stevens. Our guest host, Gary Hi. Michaels. <laughs> hey, let's hit the ice. Uh, today, our very special guest is Matt Brickley. Uh, Matt, thanks for, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Glad to be here. So, Matt is, uh, when, I, when I think back to my first memories of hockey, I started at, at Murray High at 15 years old. Uh, you were the guy that kind of ran everything here. And you've done a ton of that. You've run a lot of stuff, but I, I want to get back to before I started, before Gary started, and back to, first off, how did, you're a Boston guy. I am. How did you end up in Utah? Well, I, uh, when I graduated from college, uh, University of Massachusetts, uh, I actually backpacked across Europe for a couple of months with some friends. There were no jobs to be had at the time in 1981, and uh, I met a guy that worked at Snowbird when I was in Europe, and he said, come to Utah. And I had to get out my map, and where's Utah? <laughs> and I ended up in Utah with uh, you know some spare change and a backpack on my back, and and uh, rented a place uh, right around the corner from the Cottonwood Rink that was still under construction at the oh, time. Wow. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I was working at, at Snowbird during the day, and I got a job working at the Cottonwood Rink at night. It was going to open on Christmas of uh, 1981, and so I, I got a job working there at night, and that was the beginning of my... And, and you're one of the first two guys to ever touch that ice. Yeah, the uh, wow. so when the, when the rink opened, the... Uh, they had a rink manager from California who was a professional figure skater, a woman. And uh, But other than that, I was the only other person that knew how to skate. <laughs> but the director, <laughs> yeah. who uh, insisted that he be the first skater on the ice, uh, <laughs> I tried to sneak out there before him. But once the ice was made, uh, he, he strapped on some skates and went out there. But I, I was the second person to skate on the ice at, at the Cottonwood Rink. So. Oh, very cool. Uh, so That's awesome. Tell me... Um, What's the state of Utah, what's the state of hockey like in Utah at that moment? So it was small. Um, at that time, the Cottonwood Rink was uh, opening up some new uh, opportunities for growth for Utah hockey. But at the time, there was the Hygieia Rink. Uh, so yeah. Those who've been around will remember mm-hmm. the Hygieia Rink uh, up in Sugar House. And there was the Bountiful Rink. Uh, and so the size of the Utah hockey community was limited by the amount of ice that was available at the time. So when Conwood opened, that that created some room for some new growth. Uh, so, And it grew, uh, I would say, at all levels, from the youth levels to the adult levels. Right, okay. Um, so you come in, and and now it's growing, but there's no summer league, and you see, you see an opportunity because you, you want to continue playing. <laughs> Yeah, so I, when I uh, was working there at Cottonwood Rink, the, um, there was an existing you know, senior, senior league hockey, and I had done some refereeing in college, and uh, <clears throat> I was working when the referees came in, and I started talking with them, and they were like, hey, we need more referees, so I signed up to referee right away and got involved uh, uh, 
playing on a team. Actually, the Snowbird, uh, there was a bunch of Eastern, uh, Easterners working at Snowbird, and we formed a team, and we played. Uh, we didn't play in the league, but we played against uh, the local teams, and that was my introduction to playing uh, in the league. And then in that following uh, season, I got the Cottonwood management to sponsor a team. They bought us jerseys, and we used to skate on Thursday nights, uh, a little pickup hockey uh, practice session. And so that's the creation of the legendary spa hockey team. <laughs> it, is, yeah. it is. And you so still play as cool, the spa yeah. now. Right. So the Cottonwood Rink, uh, the original name of the facility was the Cottonwood Heights Recreation Center and Spa. And everybody referred to it as spa. Right. Uh, you know, I'm going to the spa to go swimming, or I'm going to the spa to work out, or whatever. And so our team was referred to as the spa, and we've been the spa since 1982, I guess. Yeah. And uh, it was. It's been. It's been a lot of fun. I. I I'd been involved, uh, you know, as a referee, and then as a player on a team, and then running a team, and then the, in the uh, that first summer that I was here, summer of '82. Uh, another uh, gentleman had started a summer league at the Cottonwood Rink, but he got a job transfer and moved away. So the following summer in 1983, he basically, you know, said, "Hey, I, I'm I'm leaving for my job. Uh, you know, I've, I've got these four or six yeah. teams, whatever he had. So I picked it up and ran with it from there. So we've been it turned it into how, how many teams did it have? Right. So it, it, originally. There was a no-check league, and then I, uh, back in those days, we had a check league. So all the top players, the, the young, young guys like myself, 21, 22-year-olds, we played uh, in a, we, we had a check league, full contact league. So there was a no-check league that had, uh, I think, six teams, and then a check league that had four teams. And over the years, it grew to 33 teams was, was the biggest I had. And then uh, eventually, uh, like I said, it's been... If I do the math, of 36 years and counting that we've we've played every summer, and the the Czech league eventually went away as as insurance we, as, sure. we, as we got older. Too many guys were like, "Hey, I got to get up and go to work tomorrow." <laughs> so you did a lot of like refing and and uh, on different levels. Obviously, you did some AHL games, right? I did. I did. So I, so my, my my question would be, what's what's tougher, uh, the uh, senior league or AHL? It's funny you should ask that because uh, the the when you get to the professional level, it's a different ball game. The uh, the players, uh, it's a job to them, and they uh, they have different rules they have to live by. And so when there were fights back in the days when fighting was more prevalent in professional hockey, I expected when I went out there for my first game and there was going to be a fight that I was going to be having to physically rip these guys apart. But literally, they you know. You would tap them, and they'd be like, "Okay, we're done." And they would separate and go go to the penalty box. You you try to break up a fight in the senior league, and they're trying to gouge <laughs> each other's eyes out, and they're hanging on and yeah. trying to you know continue. And it was actually more uh, physically demanding to <laughs> to you know break up a, a fight because the guys in the senior league are generally mad at each other, whereas the professional guys yeah. are. Uh, <laughs> Doing it as a job. Yeah, I never would. I, I honestly point. never would have guessed that. That's yeah. that's funny to think about, but I guess that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break for sponsors, and uh, we have a lot more coming up with Matt Brickley right after this. All right, welcome back to the Utah Puck Report. Uh, just sitting here talking hockey with Matt Brickley. We've got—it's it, funny. You go to you go to commercial yeah. and there's 
just story after story of yeah. just great hockey in Utah. Uh, we were talking about you being an official, and uh, and I've, I've mentioned this to you before. So, uh, <laughs> no matter what happens in a hockey game, no matter how you win or lose a hockey game, for a lot of parents or, or the fans, it, it doesn't matter what your team did. It's the official's fault. Oh, of course, of yeah, course. So, oh, it is. And yeah. you've been an official for ever. Yeah. So what's what's that like being a? And I don't mean to call you a villain, but perceived as a villain to some people, a scapegoat or a villain. And do you have, is there a crazy story? Well, there's a, uh, you know, when you're an official, you know, you're always the, uh, the scapegoat for one side or the other. And and it takes a certain personality to be able to handle it, to, to do it. And uh, I, I learned early on uh, that my personality was, you know, I, I, I can take... I can take the abuse uh, as long as I feel confident in what I did was, you know, the right thing. And, and I always approached officiating from a player's perspective. A lot of guys that are officials, uh, you know, have that God complex. And that's what gets them in trouble is yep. that they think that, you know, what they say is right. And they, they try to demand respect instead of command respect. And that, that was a lesson I learned early on. And so... You know that it's going to happen. You know that no matter how right you are, or or, or how uh, um, no, it's how the game went, it's, <laughs> it's it's you know it just comes with the with the territory. I mean, and odd things happen in games. I had a situation one time where here in Utah, I was doing a a youth game, maybe a, um, I think it was a like fourteen, fifteen year old Bantam. Uh, um, and there was a parent in the stand who was oh, uh, it was a mom, and she was extremely <laughs> loud and very vulgar, profane, and everybody in the place could hear her, and she was yelling at her own child as well as the other team and the referees. And at one point there was a whistle, and the coach of her son's team called me over to the bench, and I, I go over to, you know, thought he's going to yell at me about an offside or something, and... Uh, He's like, hey, can you kick that mom out of the stand? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and she was sitting right behind the bench, you know, up right. in the stands behind the bench. And uh, I said, what? You know, I didn't. <laughs> he caught me off guard. And, and he says, she's just embarrassing us. Can you kick her out? Oh. And, I swear uh, I coached that to you. Had those parents. I said, well, I'll let you police that one, and <laughs> we get on with the game. But you never know what's going to happen, and, you know, oh, as, yeah. as an official. Uh, during the Deaf Olympics that were here in, in Utah, um, I was a linesman in, in the hockey game, and all of a sudden at a stoppage of play, a fan jumped over the glass down on the ice barefoot, bare chest, just a pair of pants on like this, and started running across the ice at, at one of the players. And I had to, <laughs> I had to escape pretty fast across the ice and tackle this guy and then security came out and escorted the guy off and the guy was pumping his fist like <laughs> oh, man. he and he was deaf he you know didn't didn't speak or whatever he was he right. was signing to his friends up in the, <laughs> up in the stands oh, wow. i was like well you never just never know what's going to happen oh that's amazing hardcore hockey fans oh, yeah. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> all right so uh utah grizzlies uh you're you've got a hockey pedigree you've got uh your brother played in the NHL for a long time. You've got a ton of family that played professional sports at some level. I've told you the story of when I, I went to a free agent camp. I'm, I'm in North Dakota, and I was playing junior college baseball, and I run in a, a guy from the um, Cincinnati Reds comes up and wants to talk to me. I'm like, oh, great. I'm, 
I'm good at baseball or something? He's like, oh, no, are you from Utah? Do you know my brother, Matt? Like, oh. <laughs> but it's cool. I mean, you've got a, such a hockey pedigree. We'll talk about your son in a minute. Um, your, your brother gets called, or he's with the Islanders at the time. He gets reassigned to the Utah Grizzlies. So the, uh, back in 94, uh, the Denver Grizzlies uh, won the, yeah. won, won the, uh, the cup. And then the uh, um, Quebec Nordiques moving to Colorado to become the Avalanche. And so the Denver Grizzlies were getting pushed out of town, and uh, Utah needed a team. And so they were coming to Utah. My brother was on that team, and I was officiating at the time in the league. And I had to call up the commissioner and say, hey, Kamish, the, uh my brother's coming to town. Am I still going to be able to officiate and my brother be on the home team here? And and the commissioner was very uh, professional and said that uh, as long as I was doing my job and there was no indication of bias or whatever, he, he, w- he would let me work. And so my brother came to town, and he was at the end of his career, uh, his professional career, but we got to share the ice, uh, you know, in several games here in, here in Salt Lake, and that was, that was a thrill for me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know to be able to be part of uh, his you know his, his on ice experience as well as my own. So now his yeah. his yeah. jerseys in the Raptors. Yeah. retired yeah. retired his number for the Grizzlies. It's yeah. pretty, pretty yeah. awesome. It's again that the pedigree that you guys have that yeah. lineage is. Well, he, he, they won the cup again. So yeah. they won in Denver, and then they won back to back. They they won their first year here in Utah uh, in '95 and. Uh, um, <clears throat> I, I I just remember we uh, I hung around after the game. I I didn't work the final game when they when they won the, won the cup, but the uh, the it was the Turner Cup. And, oh, uh, yep. Anyhow, uh, he uh, he and the captain and a couple other players were taking the cup out to celebrate that night, and uh, they were going over to Port Call here oh, yeah. downtown Salt Lake. And when we arrived, the poor I rode with them in the in the. When we arrived at Portocol, there was a huge long line out on the sidewalk there, and uh, we went walking across the street right at the intersection where the entrance to Portocol is. He, and the captain, uh, Gordy Deneen, was carrying the yeah. cup, and all the fans were screaming and yelling on the sidewalk. And we walked right in the front door, and it was it was just a thrill. That's a great time. That was Good awesome time. time. I, I went to all those games, and that was such a fun season. I. Yeah, I remember everyone throwing the trout. Out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> throwing the fish to the bear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the, when you could, that was that was incredible. That was yeah. a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it was so great. Let's talk. And then you have a couple of major events that happened recently in your life, and I, I don't want to dwell on the one too much. But uh, and I don't know which came first: did the draft come first, or did the diagnosis come first? The draft. You're with Daniel. Oh yeah, no. So I was diagnosed last uh, last October. I have colon cancer. And uh, and that was pretty devastating. Uh, anybody who's ever been told by a doctor that you have cancer, that when you hear those words, you, you're just stopped in your tracks. <laughs> and you have to reflect on your life and what's important and what's not. And so uh, I've been living with that for a year now, and uh, things are going good. I feel good. And, you know, um, still see you playing hockey all the time. Yeah, yeah still, still playing. Awesome. I have an arthritic knee, but I still get out there. And you know, my my running joke is I still dress up and go out there. <laughs> not sure I can call it playing much, but uh, but the guys are good to me. Uh, they they uh, you know they they tolerate me still trying to play <laughs> at a level that I'm not capable of playing anymore. But uh, but uh, and then my son Daniel was uh, uh, 
he was a uh, unrestricted free agent right, right. In, in college at Minnesota State, and and uh, he had a lot of NHL teams pursuing him, and so he went through a decision process uh, when. When uh, Minnesota State was eliminated from the playoffs this past spring, it was the end of his junior year, and he decided he was going to turn pro. And he, uh, like I said, he went through a decision process and chose the L.A. Kings, and uh, he signed with them uh, just before the last week of the season. And uh, as an unrestricted free agent, he wasn't eligible for the playoffs. Uh, Drafted players can play in the playoffs, but but free agents can't. So... uh, he uh, he got to play in one game at the end of the season when the Kings were fighting for uh, their playoff uh, spot, and uh, it was great. I got to go down to L.A. and the, the, the Kings were super. They flew the whole family down, and uh, we got to see Daniel play. We weren't sure if he was going to play, but uh, yeah. there then he, he was. Then he picked up a point that night and too, he, right? And he did. He, he got a, got an assist in his first game, and it, it was just thrilling, you know, to go from, as you said, my diagnosis to that, you know, from low to high and. It's 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 been a a roller coaster ride in my life. It's only my for sure. And he and then they just played here. We yeah. had the NHL game here. Yeah. What'd you think of that? that was ah, uh, that was that was also was thrilling. Uh, they they featured Trevor Lewis, yeah. the, other, the other Salt Lake native that's playing. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> but awesome. it's, it's funny that Randy Lewis, Trevor's dad, and I, our original spa team members when I when I started working at Cottonwood. <laughs> right, he's uh, in that picture years, we showed him. He's yeah. in that yeah. picture, and they, uh, he lived right across the street from the Cottonwood rink, and we would, you know... Wow. We would uh, <laughs> spend a lot of time in his basement, uh, post-game uh, uh, activities. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and Trevor was just a little kid, and to think that both of our sons grew yeah. up and yeah, made it to amazing. the NHL, and our teammates, no less, it's just that's so incredible. Cool. That's, so, that's, a, that's just an amazing story. Yeah. Just know... From all of us hockey players now, yeah. we one we're we're rooting for you and everything that you're going through. We're behind you. Uh, if if there's a GoFundMe page or something that we can help, I'll make sure that it's on our uh, on our Facebook page and we'll help promote that because I know you're still going through treatment. I know you still have costs. And from us, we just want to thank you for everything yeah. you've done for Utah hockey. And because I know that you laid a lot of the groundwork and have done a lot of work and been a huge proponent for us and have fought hard for for Utah hockey. And I know. Uh, you gave me a ton of advice when I was first starting as a as a sophomore in high school, yeah. and we appreciate everything you've done for us. Well, I appreciate you saying that, Jay. Uh, hockey's been a passion for me since I was about ten years old. A product of um, the Bobby Orr era in in Boston, oh, yeah. growing up, and every every kid when Bobby Orr was playing, you know, around Boston, picked up a hockey stick and started playing, and it, it's just been you know the love, you know, of some people like golf or tennis or you know music or whatever hockey's been it for me and and uh so having moved to utah i I involved myself at every level refereeing playing running a summer league uh, winter games the utah winter games that was a great experience too for all of us yeah Yeah. we appreciate that too that was fun and and so it's it's Mm -hmm. just been you know a uh, uh just a love you know for me so it hasn't been I shouldn't say it hasn't been work. There was a lot of work involved and a lot of chasing guys down, getting their payments. <laughs> right. All those days yeah, back, Matt in his notebook. I mean, yeah. I started playing when I was 27. You know, I wasn't 10. Yeah. But uh, you've been a fixture in yeah. the hockey that I've known yeah, well, in Utah. I, you know? I, I can't speak why awesome. why it is that way, but the uh, it's just something that uh, I've always been interested in and always loved, and uh, and so it's it's been a joy to 
share and to be involved and to uh, you know meet guys like you and and all the guys uh, that I've met around Salt Lake uh, and girls and uh, and so for me it's it's just uh, a lifelong passion. Yeah, perfect. Okay, awesome. and with that, uh, we want to talk about. On the next episode of the Utah Puck Report, we're going to be talking about high school hockey. We're going to go through the standings. We're going to go through Utah. Actually, we're going to start taking nominations yeah. for a Utah High School Player of the Week. That's going to be cool. We're going to, yeah, we're going to awesome. prize package together. We're going to take care of those players of the week. We also have college hockey, the standings. Uh, the teams played against each other, and I know Utah and BYU just had the, the battles. And uh, I'm telling you, BYU's, BYU's growing. Utah's got a solid team, and BYU's growing. Uh, the Utah Grizzlies are tearing it up, undefeated in regulation. Are they the real deal? Uh, they have the best goalie in the league, and that goalie won the championship last year. Uh, could this be our year to repeat and get another championship for, for the Utah Grizzlies and for Utah? So that's it for us, Matt. Again, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. And that's it. We're off the ice. Utah Puck Report, we're out. Thank you, guys. Yeah.